You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited. I believe that God has good things for us. Amen? Do you believe that? I believe so too. You know, um, as we, uh, just during worship, I just really felt the Lord speaking to me that he wants to do a work of restoration. That there have been some people that have been suffering from really low expectation. Now, you hear the, the psychologists, the doctors, the counselor, they'll talk about, you know, you've got low self-esteem. They're really good at talking about low self-esteem. But I think this is a chronic condition in the body of Christ, that low expectation. You know, we need to get our hopes up. This is the time more than ever that we need to have our hope and our expectations switched on and in something that isn't going to disappoint us, right? Because the world and the media, they love to tell you what you can expect under the circumstances. But the word says, well, what are you doing under there? You're not supposed to be under the circumstances. You're supposed to be above the circumstances, amen? Since when did, did a circumstance have a right to tell us how things were going to turn out? Right? I mean, I mean, seriously, you know, the, a believer with a vision, with an expectation, is never at the mercy of an enemy with a plan. This is really important we understand that. You know, a believer with a vision, with an expectation, with a hope in Jesus, is never at the mercy of an enemy with a plan. Ever. He's never at the mercy of a doctor's report, uh, of a diagnosis, of, of a situation or a circumstance. There is, no, there is no circumstance that is beyond redemption. I love that song we were singing about, that just, just the prodigal son, right? I mean, like, we've all been prodigals at some point. Come on, right? But the st- that story, Luke chapter 15, the father is there at, at the edge. He's looking out for the son to come back. He's not there tapping his wristwatch saying, where have you been? Wait till I get you home. Like some angry father waiting to discipline us. No, he was waiting there ready to bring restoration, looking out for his son, longing for him to come back, come back into the family, come put the ring on his finger. You know, there are so many things in that story. But, you know, when he comes back, you can read, for the sake of time, you can read Luke Luke chapter 15 there, read about the, the, the story for yourself. But he does a few things. He puts a ring on his finger. You know, the ring is symbolic. He's saying, this is your place of authority, a signet ring. When a king was to write a decree in, in the scriptures, and in, you know, he'd, he'd write it on a scroll and roll it up, and they'd seal it with the wax, and they'd put their seal of their, their, their signet ring in it. It says, this is an authenticated article. This is the real deal. He was saying to his son, come on back. You're not a stepchild. You're not an an orphan. You're not even adopted. You're the real deal. You belong here. It's like you never left, right? It's like you have been restored and now you have power and you have authority. Like, but but just before you ever left, like nothing changed. You know, imagine if we saw our Father in heaven like that. Cut your, somebody needs to hear this. You've got to cut yourself a break, Right? I feel like there are people that you've just been caught in the breakers. You've been caught on the shore where the wave just keep hitting you. And every time you try to get up, the wave just crashes on top of you. It's hard to get out of that. But the Lord wants to call you into the deep waters. He wants to call you out into the smooth sailing. Amen. He wants to, he wants to see you restored. 
just like, just like nothing had happened, just like you were brand new. You know, when we receive Jesus, we become new on the inside, right? We become brand new. We become new creatures, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, right? We become new creatures in Christ. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. We are now new creatures, you know that word behold, it means to, to look, to see, see, get a vision of what God has done. Get a vision. This is to do with our expectation. But the problem is if we've been churned around on the waves a few times, right, Swallowed, taken in some water and some sand and some rocks or whatever, we've been scratched up a bit, what happens sometimes is it's hard, it feels hard to even set our sights on the things of God, to even see what God is doing. But yet, isn't that what faith calls us to do? To walk by faith and not by sight? To see beyond the circumstances? To see beyond the symptoms? To see beyond the sin that's trying to trap us? To see beyond the poverty that we see in our bank account? You see, when we become children of God, now we have an ability to see by faith that we never had before. We have a supernatural ability on the inside of us to see things that people can't see in their natural that's seeing by faith. But you know, in, in Proverbs, I think it's 13 verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of us just got a little heart sick, right? Life is a terminal experience, right? It's daily, isn't it? It's daily. It's the waves of life. It's the storms of life. They just keep crashing and crashing and crashing. And for some of us, that has caused our expectation to be chronically low. And there's nothing wrong with our faith. That our faith is working perfectly. It's just working in things we don't want it to work in, right? Your faith is not broken. The minute you receive Jesus, you, I mean, you've got the faith of the Son of God on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Faith is potent stuff. Just a mustard seed will move a mountain, right? You don't have to be experts in the realm of faith. When Hannah was healed, we were not experts in the realm of faith. We just knew a little bit, and that was enough to be dangerous. Amen. If you've got Jesus on the inside of you tonight, Romans 12 verse 3 says that you have been given the measure of faith. That's the Jesus measure. That's the only measure that you're ever going to need. You're not lacking in faith. But what's happened sometimes is we don't know how to use what we have because we've been beaten down by the things of life and the faith that we do have, we're using it for things that we don't want to see a harvest on. You see, all faith is, is your trusting confidence. If you were to define it in a nutshell, you could define faith a thousand different ways. Hebrews 11 verse 1 has a great definition. Okay, um, Now faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen, but by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Okay, It's talking about a trust, a confidence that's in something that you can't see with your natural eyes. And it has evidence associated with it. right? It's, a, it's the fulfillment of the things that you hope for. Now we just said... We have a hope that doesn't disappoint us, but our hope can be deferred. Our hope can be hurt if time after time after time we've found ourselves being disappointed, right? That can wear you down. Anyone else have ever felt like that? Come on, let's just be real, right? Come on. We can find ourselves just a little bit bruised by the things of life and our heart becomes hurt. I believe God wants to do some restoration tonight. There's some restoration. There's some things. We need to stir ourselves up. It's time to get our hopes up. 
It's time to get our hopes back on something that doesn't disappoint. Not on our ability or on our performance or our past achievements. Because those are all like, they're, they're going to burn away, right? They aren't going to stick around. But there is something when we pig, peg our hope in Jesus. Scripture says, it's a hope that doesn't disappoint you. Don't be afraid to hope. I'm not talking about the hope that there is in the world. You know, the, the world has a measure of hope that is wishful thinking, right? This is why people do the lottery, right? And I, the reason I don't do the lottery, it's not because it's sin. You can do the lottery if you want to, okay? But I happen to think my life is not down to chance. I have a savior on the inside of me. God has a plan for my life, and there's no chance about it, amen? I live in a blessing which is way more powerful than what the world would call luck. I don't need to be lucky. I'm blessed, Right? I believe Jeremiah 29, 11 that says that I know that God says, I know the plans I have for you to give you a hope and a future and an expected end. Amen. A hope and a future. You know, the word hope, it means to have an expectation of good. A positive expectation of good. The world can't give you a hope like that. You know, the world said about, to, about Hannah's situation, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. But the scripture says of all people, we should be the most hopeful. We should be the most hopeful. This is the reason why, you know, back in church history, when they took the Christians under extreme persecution into the, the arenas and they were being eaten by lions and burnt alive and going through all these crazy things, they're flipping singing. This, that, that's pressure, right? They went through some pressure that most of us are never going to have to experience, praise Jesus. But, you know, the reason that they were able to do that was because they'd learned where to put their hope. They'd learnt where to put their hope, their confident expectation of good that caused them to ride above the circumstances. The Lord put this scripture in my heart. I'm going to read this. This is out of Nehemiah. And Pastor Kent has a fantastic book on Nehemiah. You should just go get it. But um, this doesn't seem like a healing scripture. But, you know, Nehemiah had, had been given a vision by God to go back and to, um, to put back, to build again the walls of Jerusalem. Now, now, this is when, when the children of Israel, they were, they'd been taken into captivity. They'd just been through a lot. Life had beaten them down. They'd been under persecution. They'd, been, you know, they'd, they'd had everything taken from them. And they've come back, Jerusalem, their, their city, they're back there. But, you know, the, the walls are, are burnt down. Everything's in tatters. The people have been through life. They're hopeless. Everything around them seems to be falling apart. And maybe, just maybe, you can relate to this situation. Maybe when you look at your finances, they're in tatters, right? They're just not where you want them to be. Maybe when you look at your family and your relationships, they're just, they're just a bit of a mess, right? There's, there's no peace. It's just, there's just strife. Maybe when you look at your body, you see a body that's, man, I need to trade this one in, right? You're just ready for an overhaul, okay? Nothing's working the way it should. Things have gone south they shouldn't have done. I mean, you know, whatever, right? These people... They, 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 they'd been beaten down. I'm going to jump in here. And Nehemiah had, um, had the task to go back and to rebuild the walls of, of Jerusalem. Now, I don't believe that this was just a physical act. You read the book of Nehemiah and you'll see he did go back and, and rebuild the walls. But there's something more in here that I want us to see. He goes back and he encourages the people, gathers the people together, does a little bit of reconnaissance mission sees what the, the state of the, the walls are, sees what he's dealing with, okay? And then he gets all the people together in verse 17, nearby 2, verse 17. He says, finally, I said to them, you see the distress that we're now in. You see this distress and how Jerusalem is devastated and its gates are burned with fire. 
Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a, more be a, a reproach. And then I told them that the hand of my God had been good to me and also about the king's words that he'd spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their hands for the work of the Lord, for the good work. Now, this was a rally cry. But I believe that, that his mission really wasn't just about rebuilding the walls. The walls were just a symbol. They were, they were a defense. Yes, they were, they were a physical structure. But they were a picture of their faith in God. Their faith in God had been left in tatters. Life had not, you know, these were the children of Israel. These were the blessed children, right? These were God's very own people and they felt like God had abandoned them. And they were there in the middle of the ashes and the burnt gates and the rubble. And they, it was, the life was hard. They, they, I mean, it was just a mess. You can imagine how their soul was dealing. This is hope deferred, making the heart sick on a chronic generational level, okay? And yet Je- Nehemiah is going back and his job isn't just to rebuild the walls. It's to rebuild their hope in God. When they saw that wall being put back together, it was like they saw the hand of God. God was good. He does love them. He does protect them. He does stand with them. They felt the unity. They felt the power, the confidence. Their hope in God was restored with the physical act of building that wall. And just like like Nehemiah had this charge to go back and stir up the people, I believe this is what God is speaking to us today. He wants to bring restoration in our hearts, in our marriages, in our finances, yes, in our physical bodies. But you see, when people are sick in their physical body, they usually aren't just sick in their physical body. They get sick in their soul. It starts, you know, people think that healing starts in the flesh. It doesn't start in the flesh. It starts in the thinking. And the longer that somebody has been looking at a physical condition, the more likely it is that that condition isn't just in their flesh, it's in their thinking. It's on the inside of them. It's it's changing the way that they think. And it's forming and shaping their level of expectation and treading it down until the wave, wave after wave of disappointment is crashing upon them. And then we're left thinking, what's wrong with me? I've been prayed for by a thousand people and nothing. Am I broken? Is my faith broken? Is something just, just not working? I mean, we prayed for Hannah a lot before she was healed. The difference is up until that point, where we had some revelation and some understanding about how good God was, we could never pray a prayer of faith. See, you can pray a lot of prayers that just aren't godly, right? You can pray a lot of prayers that sound really good, but if you don't pray according to Scripture, according to the truth of God's Word, you cannot pray a prayer of faith, and only the prayer of faith is going to heal the sick. That's the only kind that works. I prayed a lot of prayers in my time that aren't faith, and I got a lot of results that I didn't want, right? And so there isn't a problem with your faith. Your faith isn't broken. It isn't missing. You've got the Jesus kind of faith. You've got the measure, the only measure you're ever going to need. More than enough faith on the inside of us to raise the dead, heal the sick, or cast any devil in hell, right? Man, you're so loaded that when, the, when you get up in the morning, the devil's like, oh, no, they're awake, right? Man, you're dangerous. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm dangerous, right? That's the truth. And the enemy, you know what? He only attacks people with potential. Come on. Right? He only attacks people with potential. And say, I'm full of potential. Right? Okay? So you know, now you know at least what the enemy knows about you. Right? We've got to at least have equal terms here. 
But but we need to start using what we have. And if 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 our faith in our hope has become deferred and become sick and our expectation is very low, we're going to get what we're believing for. Faith is working, but it's causing, it's creating things and bringing to a manifestation to things. You're getting what you believe for, but it's not what you want, right? So if when you pray, you know, you're just expecting things to happen in a negative way, guess what's going to happen? Negative things. Okay, we have to make sure that our expectation is in God and we're believing for good. Let's look at this is in Acts um, chapter three. I want to look at this example here. You know, I always feel like if I just quote scripture, and I don't actually read it. It doesn't really count. I know. Anyway, but um, <laughs> here we are in Acts chapter three. Now, this is a this is uh, the disciples, Peter and John going up to the temple uh, to pray, and when they go up to the temple, they find a man there that was lame from birth, being carried, and every day he was carried um, by people, and they placed him at the gate of the temple called Beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple. This was his career, okay? This was his future. He had been um, lame from birth. Now, this is really significant because sometimes there are conditions that people have been dealing with that they just they have no expectation of anything different because that's all they've ever known, right? And so people can easily get stuck. They get stuck thinking, I don't know even how to expect. What does it look like for me to expect to see by faith when this situation is the only one that I've ever known? This was a, an example of a man that was in this position. Okay, he was lame from birth, and so his job was really depending on people to help him every day, to carry him, to put him there, to beg for to money um, from the people going in. You know, that's how he got fed and different things. But something happened this day. There was a day in his life when everything was about to change. Now, this is really important because this miracle happened to somebody that was lame from birth. So don't tell me, oh, well, I've been sick for 20 years. This man was from birth. Okay, leveling the playing field. Let's just kill that argument right now. And he's still a candidate. Say, I'm a candidate for healing. Don't disqualify yourself, okay? Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for arms, and Peter, gazing at him with John, said, look at us. So he paid attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. Now, this is really important. You know, he, he, he's giving, first of all, he was giving them his attention. If we want to receive, we've got to make sure that our attention is in the right place, right? Because whatever we focus on in life is going to get bigger. And I meet a lot of people, a lot of people that specifically want to, want to be, receive healing for, for some reason. But, but their attention really isn't on receiving from God, their attention is on, you know, whatever was on TV or uh, whatever, you know, whatever they're doing or, you know, whatever. But, oh, yeah, all right, I'm going to receive healing. Well, you know, if, especially if something is chronic, if something is chronic and it's gone on the inside of them, you know, there is a position here of responsibility. We as believers have the healer on the inside of us, right? But our mind has really got to get into gear with what our spirit already knows. And this trips a lot of people up. Okay, I'm talking to believers here. And, and this, this comes up a lot because believers get frustrated when they see unbelievers get healed. How comes we can go out on the streets, pray for someone that doesn't even know Jesus, and they're like, well I, just, well, I guess that could work, and bam, they're completely healed. 
But yet here I am, a Christian, been in church my whole life. I go to Sunday school, I give in church, whatever, right? But yet I'm still struggling with the same thing. Have you ever wondered that? Isn't that frustrating? It's almost like if anyone deserves to receive healing, it's the believers, right? If they were handing out credits for something, you should get one, shouldn't you? Well, the problem is, okay, we overthink this for a start. So the believer that's out there on the street, they haven't had someone explain to them all the reasons why it won't work for them. So they've got no negative expectation to deal with. They're just like, oh, this is the first time. This is a new wrinkle in my brain. You mean that God is real and he might heal me? Yeah, why not? I'm up for that. That's the limit of their thinking. Right? It's just simple. Childlike faith. Yeah, I'm up for that. You see, God isn't holding healing back from us. He sets the bar for receiving way down here. Right? He doesn't add any requirements to it. He doesn't say you have to go to church to get healed. Well, going to church is really good. Go to church. Okay? This man was at the gate of the temple. So, be, yeah, be there. Okay? Right? <laughs> you know, he didn't, God doesn't put any requirements on you, any demand on you to receive. But sometimes we disqualify ourselves simply by where we're putting our attention. Where are we putting our attention? Where are we putting our focus? And we add all of these conditions to receiving from God. All We think through all of the reasons why it won't work for us. Right? All of the reasons why, well, I don't know. We prayed for Auntie Flo and she died. You know, we, there was so-and-so and, 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 and it didn't work out well for them. And I don't know, the last time I prayed, I didn't really see much. And, you know, we'll start going by all of our previous negative experiences. And we'll allow, if we're not careful, our previous negative experiences or our previous lack of really anything, maybe we just didn't see what God was doing, to paint a picture on the insides of us which causes our expectation to be really low. So the next time we have someone pray for us, we aren't really coming in faith. We aren't really coming in trust and confidence. You know, faith has an attitude. It's it's a having and a taking, not a hoping and a wishing, right? It's it's the attitude that gets up in the morning and says, I'm having everything that God has for me, and I'm not letting that enemy steal from me from a minute longer, right? Faith has an attitude. You read about King David, 1 Samuel chapter 17, right? Fighting Goliath. He's running after that giant. He says, I listen to me, you uncircumcised Philistine. Who do you think you are coming against me? The armies of the living God are on my side. Right? I mean, this dude had armor and a weaver's beam, like, I don't know, like a javelin or something. Okay? Massive. I mean, he's huge. And his shepherd boy, smelling a sheep, all he was doing, you know, he wasn't even invited to the party, to the battle. He was just coming carrying the cheese. He was the caterer. He was doing like, you know, Old Testament DoorDash or something, okay? But here he is in his DoorDash uniform, right? Do they even have a uniform? I don't know. They should. They should. It'd probably be a good business model. Anyway, here he is carrying his, throws his cheese aside, grabs a few stones. You can imagine this giant, like, who's that punk think he is, right? Coming at me with a few small stones. This is going to be a piece of cake. But he didn't, you see, he didn't get what he bargained for. Right? He, saw, he underestimated the power of that shepherd boy because when we've got God on our side, it changes things. It's not fair anymore. Amen? And it doesn't matter what devil or what giant or what storm or what symptom comes against us, we've got a greater power living in us. And when we start to place a, an acknowledgement, a focus, an expectation on the power of God on the inside of us, the size of the circumstance, the depth of the, of the valley, right? The, 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 the experience of that giant, the prognosis of the doctor doesn't matter. 
It cannot match up. You see, David knew his God. And he was a man that had fought the lion and the bear. He'd already been, this wasn't his first rodeo, first giant. Wasn't his first rodeo. This is really important. And one thing that faith and expectation does is it rehearses its victories. This is the opposite of what the devil will have you do. He'll have you rehearse your failures, right? How do you know which voice you're listening to, whether it's the Holy Spirit or some other spirit you don't want to be listening to, right? Well, well, what was it saying? What is it leading you into? Is it rehearsing your failure or is it rehearsing your coming victory? What is it doing? Is it building hope or is it building fear? These are good questions because some of us have been listening to the wrong voice. We've been focused on the wrong things and we've been listening to the wrong voice and our expectation is really low and really, if we focus on everything good that's on the inside of us, man, I'm telling you, that faith is going to get stirred up. You know, Philemon 1.6 says that your faith becomes, the, the, your faith becomes effective. You have faith, but some of it's just not effective, right? Otherwise, that verse wouldn't be in there. It says your faith becomes effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you start to focus, when you start to get your hopes up, when you start to rehearse your victories, man, do you remember that time we prayed for that thing and that, that turned around? Do you remember when God delivered? Do you remember when we heard God? Do you remember when someone in, in church came and gave us a word when we had a need and somebody else came and they, they just met that need? Do you remember that? Do you remember that breakthrough? Man, when we start to rehearse our victories, our faith becomes effective. It becomes awake. Your faith starts to waken up to the sound of your voice, right? But we've got to stir it up. We've got to stir it up. So when David ran at that giant, he was saying, hang on a minute. You're just, you, know, you might look big and you might look ugly. You can say this to the cancer or whatever it is that's trying to attach itself to you. You might look big and you might look ugly and you might have an ology on the end of you. But you know what? I fought the lion and the bear. And you're going to be just like one of those. You're going to be just like one of those. And when he ran at that giant, he told him exactly what was going to happen to him. We're going to do this in a minute when we pray for you. We're going to tell you exactly what's going to happen to you, right? That the healing's going to flow through your body, that the sickness has to leave and the symptoms have to go with it, right? That pain's going to go and strength's going to come and movement's going to return, right? The blindness had the deafness have to leave and your organs have to start functioning. This is no different from what David was doing to that giant. I'm going to come at you and I'm going to chop off your head. Let me just tell you how the end of the story ends. I'm going to take off your head and then I'm going to feed it to your birds, to the birds. And then, by the way, the reason I've got five stones isn't because I'm a bad shot. It's because you've got a few brothers and I've got one for each of them. Right? Come on. That's some expectation. That's some attitude. That's some faith, right? So it says in here, back to the man at the gate, beautiful. Let's, um, let's not finish leaving him there. Looking at him, he paid attention to them and expected to receive something. And so Peter said to them, verse 4, verse 6 rather, he says, um, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. You know, Jesus is the only but that we need. I'm going to say this again. Listen carefully. Jesus is the only but that we need. I have nothing, but I have Jesus. That means we have everything that we need. Some of us just need to have a but adjustment. Right? Where you have a but in a sentence, right? 
I mean, it's, it's a conjunction. It negates everything that goes before that word in a sentence. You didn't think you were going to get an English lesson, did you? But here we are, okay? So um, conjunction, junction, right? When you put a but in the, in the sentence, here you go, magic school bus, um, you, you negate everything that went before it. So you're saying whatever went before the but doesn't matter. And oftentimes what people do is they say, I know I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, but I have sickness in my body. What have they just done? They've negated, I know I'm healed. They've made sickness the focus, okay? This guy was saying, I don't have anything in the natural, but I have everything in Jesus, right? We need to turn that whole situation around and say, I know that I might have sickness in my body. I know the doctor says I'm going to die, but I have Jesus. But I have the power of God on the inside of me. I have the dead raising spirit of God on the inside of me. I'm a temple of the Holy Ghost and no sickness can stain my body and live. That's quite the adjustment. That's quite the adjustment, amen? So he says to him, I have no silver and gold, but I have what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, rise up and walk. I believe that, that, that the Lord is calling us to rise up and walk tonight. He's calling us to rise up and walk, right? He says, faith in his name. You can jump on over to verse 16. And in, and in his name, he catches up with him later, same guy, right? And, says, and his name, by faith in his name has made this man strong. Faith in the name of Jesus has made this man strong, who you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him perfect health in your presence. Now, the end of the story is this man immediately, verse 7, he took him by the hand and he raised him up. Immediately, his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Jumping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple, praising God. A testimony to everyone. There's a few things that happened here, right? He had to first give his attention to what God was doing. He had to, to expect to receive something, to have a positive expectation of what God was about to do. And then he took the hand of somebody that had faith in Jesus, which was all that he needed to connect with. We're going to get to laying on hands in a moment. We're going to connect you with people that believe God. There's something about when you take someone by the hand, when you lay a hand on them. Believers lay hands on the sick and they recover. Believe, how many believers do I have in here? Come on. How many believing believers do I have in here? Even better, I'll take them all, Right? When believers lay hands on the sick, they recover. Believers lay hands on the sick, they recover. That's, what, that's the normal Christian life. Amen? This guy, he had to take a hold of the man's hand that had Jesus, a believing believer, the best kind, grade A quality believer right there, okay? But then he had to try and do something he couldn't do before. This, they said to him, you know, to, to rise up, rise up. He took him by the hand and raised him up. You know, if you've been sick for a long time, this can be challenging, but you take a hold of somebody that has the faith to stand with you, amen, and you follow their lead. If you don't know how to go, if, they, if there's somewhere you don't know how to, to get there, you ask for directions, right? Right? You find someone that's been somewhere where you want to be and you follow their lead. In Hebrews, it says, by faith and patience, we inherit, be, be imitators of those who by faith and patience inherit the promises. Find someone that's got healing going on in their life and say, this is a person with expectation. They've already seen it. They've already seen what I'm looking for. I'm going to hitch on to, to their vision. Amen. I'm going to hold on to their hand and I'm going to go along with what they're saying. 
This is how we propel people from a place of low expectation to high expectation, whereas where they're going to receive. You know, God isn't holding back on you tonight. He's not deciding whether you're going to get healed. He's already decided. It's yes. Amen. Amen. Everyone that came to Jesus, he, he said yes. No one left sick. Yes, I'm willing. Every single time. But how they believed was how they received. How do you believe you're going to receive tonight? Where are you setting your expectation? How are you seeing it? This man was, was, he was lame his whole life, but when they took him by the hand, he had to stand or try to do something that he couldn't do before. How did they know? How did they know that they were healed? What about the lepers? As they went, they were healed. As the person with the withered arm stretched out their arm, they received strength. As this man who couldn't walk his whole life, never been able to walk, as he tried to stand, guess what? He found he could stand. Faith acts. It has an expectation. It sees, it speaks, it moves. Do something you couldn't do before. Right? As, we, as they went to stretch, the lepers, right? They, as they went, they were healed. Man, they, they, when, we are caught, when we believe something, we are moved to action. And he says, immediately, at, with that motion became the strengthening. With that, with that act of faith became the strengthening. You know, the, actually, the very word rise, where he says, rise up and walk, it means this to collect one's faculties, to get a grip. That's what it means. To literally get a grip of something, to rise again, or to call the dead to life. To call the dead to life. To get a grip of our emotions, to get a grip of our hope, amen. To fo- get a grip of our attention, our focus, and say, I'm putting it in Jesus. I'm taking back what the devil stole, amen. I'm taking back my healing that belongs to me. That's what it means. To rise up, to rise up, to call life into dead places. The word walk here. Right, so he says to rise up and walk. It means to walk at large as proof of ability, to get occupied with. In other words, to get your lean on, to own it. Yes, right. I own this town. I own, lean into it, right? Own this thing. Walk with some level of authority, right? Like you're large and in charge. Like, yeah, that's right. This, this healing thing, yeah, I own this, right? That's my attitude, right? Hang on a minute, this belongs to you, remember? Tonight, we're going to take back something that has been stolen from you. Right? Now, if a thief came to your house and tried to break in, we actually had this, right? We actually got his shotgun out, right? He's very excited to be an American. And uh, <laughs> someone tried to break in. And that's, that, anyway, they ran away. They didn't like the sound of that noise. But, you know, if, if a thief comes to your house and tries to break in, you don't just swing open the door and say, come on in, take whatever you want. No, you put up a fight, don't you? You put up a fight because you know that that thief is trying to break into your house and take things that belongs to you. Here's the truth. The thief can only steal from you what you already have. Think about that. If I came to your house tonight, could I steal a million dollars? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what kind of house you live in, right? Some people are very quiet out there, I'm just saying, okay? But, you know, the reason that is for most people is because you don't have a million dollars stacked up in cash under your mattress, right? That would be a fire hazard anyway, okay? <laughs> but the thief can only tell. I might be able to come to your house and steal a flat screen TV or five. I mean, everyone has, you have to have one in every room, right? So, <laughs> right? But the point is I can't take something that you don't already have. You know, we're a temple of the Holy Ghost, 
right? That's what the word says. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when the enemy comes with sickness and with disease and he creeps in when we're not looking, maybe he tries the front, can't get in, goes around the back, sneaks in through the cat flap or something, okay? He creeps in when we're not looking, when we're not watching, and he tries to steal healing from us. Healing belongs to us. Prosperity belongs to us. Forgiveness belongs to us. Deliverance, freedom belongs to us. They're ours in Jesus. He paid for them. He didn't get it on credit, right? Here's the de- devil coming around like some sort of debt collector. Debt's been paid in full, tetelestai. Jesus said on the cross, paid in full. Amen. There's no debt owing on the goods in your house and the goods in your temple. They belong to you outright, Right? And, and there should be that righteous indignation when symptoms come up on the inside of our body. How dare you come against me, devil? How dare you come against me, symptoms? I pity the fool that comes to mess with me. Right? Pity the fool. I love the A-team. Right? I pity the fool. Right? I mean, seriously. How dare... When we understand who it is that we have on the inside of us and what Jesus paid for us to have, a sickness should make us angry, angry. You know, Jesus says, don't let, the, don't let the sun go down on your anger, right? Be angry, but don't sin. The anger that we have on the inside, you know, a- anger itself is not a sin. He says, be angry. It's what we do with it. It's supposed to be targeted at the devil. Amen? That's what it's for. It's righteous anger, not your wife or your spouse, you know, your, your, your brother or sister, okay? But it's supposed to be there for the, for the enemy when he tries to steal from us. But in order to, to fight back and defend our territory, we're not trying to get something we don't already have. We're defending what we already have, right? That gives us all of the advantage. We've got the arsenal, the weaponry in our house already. We've got all the tools that we need. We've got the faith. We've got the, we've got the armor of God. We've got the gifts of the Spirit. We've got words on our lips that move faith, that moves mountains, spiritual gifts. Come on, we've got the sword of the Spirit. We've got the shield. We've got the whole arsenal on the inside of us. More than enough to defend our position. But the only one that can defend your position is you. Right? And in order to do that, We've got to stop agreeing and focusing and, and listening to the lies and the whispers of the enemy that's trying to get on the inside of us. We've got to set, it's time to rise up. It's time to rise up and own it and set our expectation on I'm taking back what the devil has been stealing from me. I'm shutting this puppy down tonight right? I'm shutting this sickness down tonight. It's not going to steal from me a moment longer. Why? Because God has given me a hope and a future and an expected end and I ain't checking out before my moment. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.